Pastor Ed Taylor says the enemy has a plan to trip you up and take you out. There's never a good time to let your spiritual guard down, so watch out. Stop being so paranoid, Ed. It's not that bad. I'm not being paranoid. I'm just being straight up with you. It's not paranoia. It's life. It's real life. So watch out. There are traps set everywhere. Traps that you don't even know about. That you couldn't even, even if I said, okay, if the enemy, if I sat down with you, we had a conversation, I said, okay, so if devil tried to, to trap you, how would he do it? You'd write, well, I think he could do it this way. Well, whatever your list is, there's traps that aren't on that list. You don't know anything about them, so watch out. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Whether it's a move to another state or the mention of a short missions trip comes up at church, or maybe you're wondering whether or not to accept a proposal, there will be times when we're presented with an opportunity or an open door. But is it something God wants for us? That's the all-important question, isn't it? Today on Abounding Grace, we'll see that an effective door opened up for Paul. And right around the corner were many adversaries. Here with our final study in 1 Corinthians is Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in chapter 16, starting at verse 8. Paul says, in the meantime, verse 8, while I'm waiting on God, I'm going to be faithful here in Ephesus. That's so important to grasp as well. While you're waiting on God, be faithful. While I'm waiting on God for this particular open door, I'm going to be faithful right here where I'm at. I want to be a good servant of the Lord. Verse 9. For a great and effective door has opened to me. Hallelujah. That's the end of the verse. Oh, no, no, actually it's not. A great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries. How's that for open doors? God, give me an open door. Here come the adversaries. We've learned this in the book of Acts on every page. With great progress comes great opposition. He's staying in Ephesus because the harvest there is ripe. People are ready to be saved. They are ready to receive the gospel. They don't even know it. But there's also a lot of enemies to the gospel. And therefore, because there are enemies to the gospel, there are going to be enemies to those that have the gospel, that share it. People weren't happy in Ephesus. You'll learn when we get there in the book of Acts. People were not happy in Ephesus that lives were being changed. Whole industries were being shut down. The the little idolatry, the, the the companies that were making the little idols of the temple of Diana and of Diana herself were going out of business because people were getting saved. Nobody was buying idols anymore. They didn't like it. Who is sharing that message? That was Paul. Many adversaries. But what Paul's heart was to stick it out and fight the good fight. That's why he could say, and jot it down in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he could tell young Timothy in verse 11, or in verse 12, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. You go, well, I'm not in a fight at all. No, you're just in the wrong fight. Because everybody's in a battle. And you're either battling to walk in the spirit, because the world has so consumed you. 
and you don't see it. You don't understand that the world system, the devil and our flesh are contrary to the things of God. You don't understand that the Bible says if you love the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. What does it mean to love the world where you are of the world? You, you live for it. That's what's on your mind. That's what you think about. Like you're working with people that don't even know you're saved. Why? Because you're worldly. And you're in a battle, my friend. You don't want to be a worldly person. You don't want to live for the... That's what you've been saved from, the world. The world was kicking your tail and destroying you from the inside out, wasting your... At the very least, the world was wasting your life. You could have been a good person, a very good person in the world, doing good deeds, but it was wasting your life and wasting your time all the way to the road to hell until you got saved. And then your eyes were opened, and you found out that not everything in this world is beneficial. That's one battle. The other battle is battling the forces of the world to live a spiritual, holy life. I mean, if this is the only, you come on Saturday or Sunday, and then you come on Wednesday, and this is the only time in, your, in, the, world, in, in the Word, man, you're in trouble. You can't imagine two hours of Bible study, you think it's going to get you going? Yeah, it's no problem. Okay, no problem then. I'm going to challenge you if that's how you kind of view the word. Well, you know, two hours of Bible study, I'm full, man. Okay, so this next week, I want you to eat physically as much as you're in the word. So you want to take a little verse, then you get a little corner of a cracker. I read, a word, I read one verse today, great. Then you get a grain of salt. Wow, man, I was consumed. I read the whole book of 1 Corinthians. Hey, man, go get a steak, bro. Go out and to the restaurant. Because you don't even live like that physically. And you can judge your life. Your body requires natural nourishment. It's a natural need that God's built into us that we need calories and nourishment and fuel for life. Well, there is nothing different spiritually. It, if your intake of the word and spiritual things is far less than your intake of food, then you're imbalanced. You don't even eat like that. You got little snacks set up in case you get hungry, and you got this little thing in your, in your glove compartment just in case on the commute, and, and you got a little gift card in case you want to go out. You, you're all set up to take care of your physical body. You need to learn to do the very same thing spiritually to be set up to feed yourself spiritually so that when the Spirit prompts you, you're ready right there. Because open doors come to you, you're going to have major enemies. They're going to come against you. You might be in a season of peace right now. Don't get used to it. So with open doors come adversaries. Physically, spiritually. You need to understand this, whether you've been living for Jesus for years or you're a new believer. Opposition is part of the package of being a Christian. It's not just a few Christians. Well, Ed, you know, uh, you're the pastor. You, can you take a little of my opposition? No. You have yours, and I have mine. And I don't want yours. And no doubt you don't want mine. And I'm always a little concerned as a pastor when all the reports are coming back to me, pastors are sharing with me, the leaders, oh, everything's great, Ed, it's wonderful. Oh, the church is doing so good. Is there any warfare? No warfare. We could put our weapons away. We... No, that's not good. That probably means we're not making any progress. 
It probably means we're not making any inroads into the kingdom of darkness. It probably means we're getting real comfortable when we're not knocking on doors and seeking the lost. It probably means a lot of, a lot of people aren't getting saved. It probably means some of the ministries aren't in the word like they need to be. It probably means some of the home fellowships are in disarray. There should be a lot of spiritual... I should be hearing a lot of, not bad reports, but difficult reports. It's like, oh man, that marriage is struggling. Well, let's, let's intervene. Let's help them. Because they're, they're overseeing something here. Let's go and come alongside of them. It's not a bad thing to go through struggles. It's a bad thing to ignore them and pretend they're just, ah, no big deal. Or to allow the, the warfare to make you quit and just throw in the towel. That's not good. But the fact that you're in the midst of it, just look at spiritual warfare as, man, God must have opened some doors for me. There's some opposition going on in my life. I, I really need to look for what God is doing in my life. But you're here today. No, Ed, man, I've had, peace and, I've had peace and safety and comfort for the last couple years. Can I just ask you to examine your life? Peace and comfort, you're okay with that? Yeah, man, cruise control's nice. You're okay with that? I mean, when's the last time you shared the gospel with someone? Oh, about two years ago. When's the last time you really just stepped up and helped? Oh, about two years ago. When's the last time you just really in the word discipling? Oh, about two years ago. Yeah, I know. I can tell by the spiritual warfare in your life. You know, when's the last time you really had, you know, that, that, just that, that, that intense battle in that area? Well, you know, it was, I, if I can judge it, it was about the time I started watching that TV show. It was right before that, that I had all this crazy. But when I started getting into that show, and now I'm all into it, and I got the shirt and the hat, and I want to go see it taped, and, you know, I'm all about, that's when the warfare started. Yeah, because you kind of, you, you gave your time and attention to something that wasn't spiritual, to something that wasn't eternal. And, of course, you're going to be cruising along the devil doesn't mess around with compromising Christians because compromising Christians do a good enough job on your own the devil just looks oh you're compromised let him go maybe throw a few carrots down you know give a little few temptations but it's the believers that are just sold out to the things of God that are really wanting to make an impact and a dent in their city that's when spiritual warfare comes. I have to remind myself of that. I hate spiritual warfare. Do you? I hate, I hate it. If I had the choice, you know, living for God with cruise control and living for God, you know, crazy intense spiritual warfare, I'm choosing cruising, man, any day of the week. That's my flesh. But my spirit says, man, just be obedient, Ed. Don't worry about the outcome. Be obedient and fight the good fight. That's what Paul told young Timothy. And haven't you heard, and isn't it great, it's like a pillow to put your head down at night. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Isn't that great? It's so true. God truly does love you so much that he demonstrated that love. It wasn't just some banner he put up, like a plane flying through, like we used to have at the beach, where they would fly through with banners. And go, oh, God loves me. Thank you, God, for that sign. He didn't just put a plane up over the reservoir as God loves you. He demonstrated it by sending Jesus Christ to die for you. You ever question love, the demonstration of love is Jesus in his life, his death, and also his resurrection. So that the barrier of sin could be taken away between you and God and your sins can be forgiven. The greatest gift you could ever receive ever in life is the forgiveness. You know, man's greatest need becomes God's greatest deed, the forgiveness of sins. He demonstrated that love. It's true. 
It's wonderful. And we like, yes. Can we just pray and go home with that thought? Well, we could and we will. But you need to understand something. The devil, he's just as real. And he hates your guts. And he wants to destroy your life. God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. The devil hates you and has a horrible plan for your life. Absolutely horrible. He wants to distract you. He wants to disrupt you, ultimately to destroy you, just to take you out. He wants you as a Christian to be weak, ineffective, feeble, could care less about spiritual things, compromising, playing games with God, pretending. I mean, here we are. This is a second time of gathering for us for Bible study here at Calvary. It's a second time. It's a big step to devote a Wednesday night because a lot of things happen. You got to go to work early in the morning. Kids got to go. There's a lot of sacrifice that can go on with making Wednesday nights a big part of your life. And here you are. You go, no, man, I'm here. I want to go. But you're playing games. You're only here halfway. You're here with your body, but you would rather be someone, I'll I'll be here just... Wow. How was your worship time tonight, you know? The hard thing for me as a leader is I have no idea if you're compromising or not. But I can assure you this, I'll find out. Because you'll be the one that makes the call. I love answering the phone here. I love answering the phone during, during the services. I love answering phone when I'm at my desk. I love to connect with people. And I've noticed over the last few weeks, maybe four or five weeks, as I've been answering the phone, most of the calls have been pretty serious. And as you start to walk through what prompted that phone call, some compromise... Compromise doesn't happen here because we all put a face on. Hey, look at me. I'm a Christian. Studying the Bible Wednesday night, man. And then as soon as you leave the property, you're in rank, rebellious sin. You're in what the Bible would call a fleshly life or what Paul called the Corinthians earlier. You guys are carnal. I really do believe there is a category of Christians known as carnal Christians. Some people don't believe that, but the Bible teaches it. You guys are carnal. You're acting like unbelievers. Just don't call yourself a believer then. Go live like the world. Don't play games with God. We're going to learn in Revelation that Jesus desires you to either be hot for the things of God, which is a great place to be, because when you're hot for the things of God, you're just going for it, or even cold to the things of God. That means completely against God. You know why? That that troubles some people, why God would say, why Jesus said, I'd rather have you be cold than lukewarm. Why would he want us to be cold? Because, you know, a cold person can be convicted. Lukewarm people aren't easily convicted. And we'll get, that's a whole different Bible study that we'll get into. You you need to realize that compromise is going to destroy you. And the devil loves to mess with lives, bringing them into a place of compromise, of weak and ineffective. He doesn't want you, the devil, relying on the ministry, on Jesus and the body of, of Christ. He doesn't want your marriage to make it. Do you hear me? He doesn't want your marriage to make it. He wants your marriage ruined, irretrievable. He wants you to commit adultery. And fornication, thinking it's no big deal. He wants you sitting in front of a screen 
engaged in virtual sex for internet pornography. How ridiculous. It's not even real. The devil would love to have you just park your behind right in that chair and never get up. He would love to have you be a thief at work, just taking, because you deserve it, you know. Company, I can't believe the company. can't believe they don't take care of me. I can take this computer home. <laughs> no, it would never be a computer. You might take a few little things. You might shave off some hours. You might, you might be a compromising believer. And I'm telling you, the, you're going to have to pay your dues. They're coming. The wages of sin is death. You have to pay the wage. He wants your marriages ruined, your kids shattered forever, irretrievable. He wants, he'll take, and really in whatever gate, whatever realm your life is, Satan will take you as miserable and depressed as he can take, he'll get. He'll take it. Well, you know, Adam, just a little bit of compromise, well, Satan will take that. Just a little bit. You know, I'm really not that serious. Okay, well, then, you know what? The devil will take that. He'll take anything you give him. That's the lie. You know, you mess around with the devil and, and you're, you're un, not understanding that it's an all or nothing proposition for him. And it's all or nothing proposition with Jesus because Jesus himself said that you and I are unable to serve two masters. We either love one or hate the other. So understand with open doors there are many adversaries. We're engaged in a spiritual battle. And just because things haven't come up yet, just because we haven't been called on the carpet yet, just because as I'm sharing this, you go, well, he didn't mention my sin. But, and the Holy Spirit mentioned your sin. I don't need to mention it. Holy, you're, ta- you're thinking about it right now. I wonder where that came from. The Spirit of God, because he loves you. And you're looking at, wow, man, whew, man, he could have got a list out. And maybe he would have, no, I don't need to touch your sin. Gee, the Holy Spirit already has. When you believed, when you were born again, when you accepted the free offer of salvation, you chose sides. You chose side of righteousness and holiness. You declared war. So understand that with every open door, because you've been praying, some of you have been praying for open doors, and now you're like, I don't know if I want to pray for open doors. You do. (laughs) Comes with a lot of adversaries, though. Verse 10, back in 1 Corinthians. Now, if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Timothy carried this letter from Paul to the church, and Paul wanted them to respect Timothy. He was a young guy. Later on, Paul would tell Timothy, don't you let them despise your youth. There's just something about youthfulness that if we're not careful, we'll start to despise the youth, but we don't want to be despising of the youth the next generation of leaders. And here's Timothy. Paul just hooks him up and says, he's coming with my authority. Take care of him. Therefore, let no one despise him. Verse 11. Send him on his journey in peace that he may come to me, for I'm waiting for him with the brethren. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. Paul wasn't just flexible with the Lord. He was also flexible with other people. Apollo's here. He doesn't want to come right now, so he'll come when he comes. He's on his way. 
And who knows what was going on in Apollos' life, but Paul didn't determine that what was going on, what, what the decision Apollos was making, he didn't see it as sin, so he just let it play out. It's why sometimes just to let things play out, you know. I like to refer to that as allowing the Holy Spirit room to work. We can be so quick to try to jump in and fix things instead of just standing back and just let God work things, some things out. And that's what's going on with Apollos, a great example. Now, here's some exhortations. If you're taking notes, I'll give you, a f- we'll read through and then we'll look at these exhortations, these final words of Paul to the church. They're words to us. So number one, verse 13, watch. It's good to watch out. There's never a good time to let your spiritual guard down. So watch out. And you go, well, wait a minute, Ed. You just spent a lot of time on that. You're like being paranoid. Stop being so paranoid, Ed. It's not that bad. I'm not being paranoid. I'm just being straight up with you. It's not paranoia. It's life. It's real life. So watch out. There are traps set everywhere. Traps that you don't even know about. That you couldn't even, even if I said, okay, if the enemy, if I sat down with you, we had a conversation, I said, okay, so if devil tried to, to trap you, how would he do it? You'd write, well, I think he could do it this way. Well, whatever your list is, there's traps that aren't on that list. You don't know anything about them, so watch out. That's all he says. Number two, he says, stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in the faith. There's never a good time to give up ground to the enemy either. There's never a good time just to let, oh, you know, I'm going to take a, take a few days off. I'm just going to give some room to, no, no, no. The devil will take anything he can get at any time. Be careful when those feelings pop up of wanting to go backwards. Jesus said, put your hand to the plow and don't look back. So you be careful when you start having feelings about going backwards. Taking your hand off the plow and going, no, somebody else needs to do it. You stand fast. The idea behind that word is that you're immovable. You stand there. Don't move. Don't give an inch. Consider him, Hebrews says. Consider him, speaking of Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You stand fast. Number three, be brave. Christians, we are to be brave in the confidence of the Lord. There's never a good time to lose heart in fear and to run away in cowardice. Because the strength of the Lord is, the joy of the Lord is our strength. His strength is our strength. Paul would tell young Timothy that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So be brave. Stand fast, be brave, watch out. Number four, be strong. These are all yours in the Lord. You don't, have to, you don't have to build these up. You don't have to work these out. These are all yours by faith in Jesus Christ. All of these belong to you. And it's so good to remember that in our strength, it comes from the Lord. You know, all the working out you could do and all the development of your muscles and all the, you get smart, I mean, you get strong physically. And then all of the development of your mind and how much you've learned and all, you get strong mentally. I want to let you know that there is no strength apart from the Lord. I don't care how smart you are, how strong your body is, that is not lasting strength. Strength comes from the Lord. Yes, our strength comes from the Lord. And with that good reminder, we'll draw our study of 1 Corinthians to a close here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Hear it again online at calvaryco.church. Look under Sermons, and then do a search for today's passage in 1 Corinthians. 
And you can also listen to Pastor Ed through our apps. Both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado apps will pop up when you search for Calvary Aurora. And we'd really like to hear from you this summer. It's helpful to know how these studies are impacting your life, and that would be a real encouragement to Pastor Ed and the team. And if you're in need of prayer, please leave your requests, too. There's a place to contact us at calvaryco.church by email or call 877-30-GRACE. Abounding Grace is supported by listeners just like you, and we're extremely grateful for those that come alongside of us with either a one-time gift or ongoing support. We'd like to say thanks today for a gift of $25 or more by sending you the Quick Scripture Reference for Counseling by John Cruis. This is a handy reference tool for those times when someone comes to you with a problem or a question. You'll be able to open this guide and quickly find the scriptures that best relate to the issue they're dealing with. It's great for counselors, pastors, or really any Christian. So call us at 877-30-GRACE or visit us online at calvaryco.church. Well, now that we've completed 1 Corinthians, we'll move on to 2 Corinthians tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Thanks for listening. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.